There had been abuse in my family, but it was mostly musical in nature. Lover's Lament crap. I want something peppy, something happy, something up-tempo. I want something snappy. As music critics, we get thousands of albums a year, and in every stack, there's a hidden gem. I'm Greg Cott of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Jim DeRogatis of Vocalo.org. Today we unearth some musical buried treasures. Plus, we'll review the debut album by rapper Nicki Minaj. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. From WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX, you're listening to Sound Opinions. And time now for some music news. That is Kid Rock with a title song from his latest album, Born Free. A few weeks ago, we were talking about Kid Rock in the context of, here's one of the few artists left who is not unbundling his albums and making tracks available individually at music digital stores like iTunes. He's one of the few holdouts. Kid Rock, ACDC, Garth Brooks, Bob Seger, some of the handful of artists who are saying, album only, I'm not selling individual tracks through iTunes. And we were looking at this kind of skeptically, saying, why wouldn't they want to play along? Well, now Glenn Peoples, a reporter in Billboard magazine, is saying Kid Rock's got it right all along. He's actually making more money by employing this strategy. Born Free so far has sold 612,000 albums, a pretty significant number in this age. Peoples is saying that had he made the tracks available individually, the album would have sold only 294,000 copies. The difference is significant. Right now, Kid Rock has made $7.9 million on those album sales. Had he made the tracks available individually, he would have made only $4.6 million, a difference of more than $3 million. So maybe Kid Rock had it right all along, Jim. Maybe making your albums only available as albums and not breaking them down is encouraging people to buy more albums. This is the lesson that the record industry is learning now. At 99 cents a tune, you're not making nearly as much money as you would with a $13 full album price. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe a lot of people who bought that whole Kid Rock album have a lot more Kid Rock music than they wanted (laughs) and paid more for it than they had to. She can burn you up in bed just like she said Cause she's a hothead, hothead, hothead She can throw her fighter show, she can start a fighter go She's a hothead, hothead, hothead That is Captain Beefheart performing the song Hothead from his penultimate album, Dock at the Radar Station, in 1980. Beefheart died at the age of 69 over the holidays. A true loss for rock and roll, Greg. I know you feel the same way. We have to catch up with paying a little bit of a tribute to this great man. Did you see, in 1980, when that album came out, 
Beefheart performing that song on Saturday Night Live. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Saturday Night Live's weirdest guest ever. Beefheart spent the entire tune singing, if you call that uh, what he did, swatting a giant invisible bat that was buzzing his head that nobody saw but him. What a unique individual. Lester Bangs, I'm sorry to quote my rock critic hero again, but Lester was one of Beefheart's biggest champions and called him the only true Dadaist that rock and roll ever has produced. Don Van Vliet grew up in the Southwest, started his musical career, as many in the mid-60s did, with a sort of British Invasion-style garage band. He won a Vox Battle of the Bands contest with a garaged-up version of Diddy Wah Diddy. That got him a record contract for A&M, but he spent the first couple of years of his career fairly miserable. He was trying to do a particular style of fractured blues, Big Heroes, Howlin' Wolf, and Little Richard, and A&M kept wanting him to be marketable. Mm -hmm. You were never going to get a single out of Don Van Vliet. Then in 68, he made a fortuitous partnership with Frank Zappa. Zappa and he grew up together. They'd been part of the same scene. Zappa, by that point, was having some success with the Mothers of Invention, enough to give Beefheart a creative umbrella to do whatever Beefheart pleased to do. What he pleased to do (laughs) was to go live in this weird, druggy, communal environment with the members of his band, which was always called the Magic Band, and play this unique kind of music that sounded as if it was improvised. He was trying to take the rawest gut bucket blues and combine it with the experimental chaotic freedom of free jazz. People thought that it was just chaotic clatter that was being improvised, but in fact, Beefheart was a perfectionist. He would chart out every piece of music, the the polyrhythmic drums, the weird clarinet parts, every piece of music that went into this odd stew that was merged with his Dada surrealist lyrics to produce the album that came out in 1969, Trout Mask Replica. Mr. Cott, Talk about a desert island disc. This is one of the strangest, one of the most ambitious, one of the hardest to listen to, but in time you learn to love it, albums ever made in the history of rock and roll. Beefheart was consistently great up through the end of his career, that Saturday Night Live performance I was talking about, and in 1983 he decided, I've had enough. I've done everything I can do, and he retired from music. You and I, I think he's on our short list, right up there with Bob Dylan, Mm. of artists we would love to have spent a couple of hours really doing an in-depth interview with. Never talked about rock and roll again. He became a painter and recently died at 69 after an illness he was battling for some time. I don't think there was ever going to be another Captain Beefheart in popular music. Well, I think that's the key to his allure. I mean, you hear him being name-checked by so many artists. Johnny Lydon, Devo, P.J. Harvey, Joe Strummer, The Residents, Tom Waits, Pear Ubu, The Fall. They all loved this guy. None of them sounded like him. Nobody could sound like him, and I think that, that was the key to his allure. He was the sole inhabitant of this planet that was <laughs> Captain Beefheart. How many artists have really created their own sound world, their own language, the way Beefheart did? It is an amazing legacy, and the fact that he went out on top while he was still making music, that only added to his legend. Greg, I think we have to play something from Trout Mask Replica to pay homage to Beefheart. This is Ella Guru by Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band on Sound Opinions. Now here she come walking, looking like a zoo. Hi Ella, hi Ella Guru. She know all the colors that nature do. Hi 
That was Ella Garou from Captain Beefheart, a.k.a. Don Van Vliet, dead at the age of 69 on Sound Opinions. Professor, what's another word for pirate treasure? Them's my treasure, and I'm a burying them where no one will know where they're at but me. Oh, Greg, we love that intro music. It means it is time once again on Sound Opinions for one of our periodic Buried Treasures shows. We get so much music, and we talk about a lot of it. We write about a lot of it. You know, there's the newsworthy stuff. There's the stuff we're really excited about. And then there's stuff that just falls between the cracks. There are so many releases. How do you keep up on it all? And I don't know about you, but on my desk, I always have that pile of records I'm really excited about. I just haven't gotten around to it. So we save these shows to dig into some of them. Great excuse to go back on some stuff that we overlooked or maybe couldn't get to in our last handful of shows. And some records from 2010 that really have resonated with me that I wished I'd had more time to spend with so that I could have included them in my top 10 or top 20. And this first one's a great example. It's by the uh, Philadelphia R&B artist Bilal. This guy has never really fit in with any movement. He was originally sort of lumped in with that neo-soul movement of the late 90s, the early 2000s, with, along with artists like Erica Badu, Lauren Hill, D'Angelo, but didn't really fit in with them as well as maybe he might have done an artist like Chocolate Genius, who was kind of in his own idiosyncratic world, or in some ways reminding me of the late 70s period of Marvin Gaye, where everyone was kind of wondering, what's Marvin up to? He's not really doing straight-up R&B anymore. <laughs> He's doing these really personal records that, in retrospect, are really cool, but at the time were not fully understood. Well, Bilal was not fully understood. He made a great album in 2001 that made my year-end list a first-born second. Well, his record company, Interscope, didn't get it at all. They allowed him to make a second record. It was called Love for Sale. He finished it. I got an advanced copy of it. It was great. Interscope shelved it. Basically said, you know, we can't work with you. There's not a single. We don't hear anything on this record the radio would want to play. So basically, this guy had to content himself with doing cameos on a bunch of people's records over the last decade. He was much in demand by people who had influence in the world of R&B, but in terms of getting his own record out, good luck. 
Finally, after nearly a decade's wait, we get Airtight's Revenge, a terrific record. Again, very idiosyncratic, very personal, kind of these skittering kind of rhythms, these weird atmospheric kind of touches, beautiful voice sort of murking around in this really otherworldly atmosphere that he's created. I love this record. The more I listen to it, it very much reminds me of Erica Badu's recent mm. work, which has kind of blown some people's minds, too, because she's not heading where people thought she was going to go. The album is called Airtight's Revenge, and the name of the song is Restart from Bilal on Sound Opinions. Seems like we said too much, drank too much. Let our emotions play out of touch I'll go outside and watch it rain I'll go outside and give it space I'll be outside That's one of my buried treasures for the new year, Bilal, from the album Airtight's Revenge, a track called Restart. Jim, what do you got for us? Well, Greg, my first buried treasure, it doesn't get much more buried than this. I don't know if you're up on this, but in the the underground music world right now, one of the hippest things to do is to not put your music up online as a download at all. We are actually seeing a retro revival movement, not to vinyl. That's like over already. But to cassettes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, C90s, C60s, part of it, I think, is tongue-in-cheek. But cassettes did have their charm, especially in the 80s and early 90s in the four-track movement. There was a certain analog warmth to DIY recordings at home that made them more distinctive than the recordings you hear coming off of people's laptops. This fellow, Clive Tanaka, Sue Orchestra, it, it is probably one person, although he has the orchestra in his name. There's no information out there about who this artist really is. There's just his cassette for sale. Six dollars, you send it to him, he sends you, yeah, you know, the actual cassette. Mm-hmm. Bloggers have ripped the tracks and put it up on the net. It's out there now. But he's trying to keep it really DIY and mailing this cassette out to people. And there's a lot of anticipation for the actual official release of this music. The album is called Jet Set. Siempre One Degree. What an interesting combination of ideas. Picture, if you will, Daft Punk, cutting-edge electronica, jamming with a 60s or 50s-type exotica space-age bachelor pad (laughs) lounge music. Maybe maybe a little Sergio Menendez, right? With just like a little hint of Jimmy Buffett, but not the cheesy Buffett. This is tropical music, seductive, romantic, warm, and inviting, 
but done with a really interesting palette that ranges from Spanish guitar kind of thing to cheesy 80s synthesizer. It's really fascinating stuff. It's divided into two sides, like any good cassette should be. Side A, for dance. Side B, chill out for romance. Wonderful music on here. I'm going to play a track from it. It's called Noi Chicago by Clive Tanaka on Sound Opinion. Chicago on Sound Opinions from Clive Tanaka Isu Orchestra. That is one of Jim DeRogatis' buried treasures for the early part of this year. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, we're going to play more of our buried musical treasures. And later on, Jim and I are going to review the debut release from breakout female rapper Nicki Minaj.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. That is a great way to start this segment. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis. I love that sound. That is a band called Off with a track called Upside Down. Off in the grand tradition of Southern Cal hardcore. You know, name your band after a pesticide. You know, Black Flag, now we have Off. And, and it's fitting because the singer of Off, Keith Morris, was originally in Black Flag later on in the Circle Jerks. He's joined in that band by Stephen McDonald, formerly of Red Cross, as well as members of Rocket from the Crypt and Burning Bride, sort of a, a hardcore punk supergroup, if you will. There's a collection of their first four EPs that have been put out on CD. 16 songs, 18 minutes. This is hard, <laughs> fast, in, out. It evokes a freeway pileup in Los Angeles. These songs come at you one after the other. They sound rejuvenated. Keith Morris at the very top of his game. Nothing old school in terms of approach here. This is very fresh sounding, in your face punk music. Great example of that is the track I'm going to play next. I saw the video for it. You really should check it out on YouTube. And it is one of the best tracks from this amazing, in your face, first four EPs from Off. It's called I Don't Belong on Sound Opinions. That was I Don't Belong by the hardcore punk band Off. And you need the exclamation point that's part of the name, Greg, to really drive it home. A nice pick for your buried treasure. I did a little something sunny and tropical before. I'm going to stay on that tip because it's 10 degrees here in Chicago in January and wishful thinking. Two young guys come together as 13-year-olds in Perth, Australia in 1999. Kevin Parker and Dominic Simper, and they begin making this wonderful music together as Tame Impala. I don't know where they get this grounding in rock history that they had, maybe their parents' record collections, but they love the sounds of 60s psychedelia. And I don't mean just the obvious stuff, Jimi Hendrix or the Beatles of Revolver. I mean the Naz and the pretty things, deep creation, you know, records, stuff like that. And they become very expert at those sounds, but in a modern way. There's a great ambience to their music, a great moodiness, a swirl, but an excitement and a little bit of an edge. It's psychedelia at its best. They built their buzz on MySpace, but it took them some time to get noticed. Musicians, though, were first and foremost among their fans. They get opening slots for the likes of the Black Keys and MGMT. Now we finally have a proper debut album. It's called Inner Speaker, and I think it's one of the most anticipated releases of the year. came out a couple of months ago, but its buzz has been building slowly. This is a song called Alter Ego by the Australian band Tame Impala on Sound Opinions. 
That is Alter Ego by the Australian band Tame Impala. Mr. Cott, I'll be shocked if I don't see them on a bunch of festival bills this summer. Yeah, seems inevitable. This guy's been on a bunch of festival bills in the last year as well, Jim. Trombone Shorty out of New Orleans. Troy Andrews, 24 years old. He's been playing since he's been four. That's a family tradition in New Orleans. Everybody has an instrument. Everybody's in a band, as well as just about everybody else in New Orleans, it seems. This guy grew up around music. He, he loved the trombone because it reminded him of a uh, one of those paper party whistles. Remember those suckers? <laughs> and he could make an elephant sound on it, okay? He's going, imagine a four-year-old trombone player. He was doing plain gigs by the time he was seven. So this guy, in short, has been around. He's, he's, he's done just about everything. Playing this, in this tradition of New Orleans street funk. Very much elongated, improvised, keep going till the break of dawn, so to speak. He's got that style down cold. But there's also a bit in his background that has influenced where he's gone recording-wise. Uh, even though he's playing a lot of jazz as a kid, he was listening to a lot of that New Orleans hip-hop. People like Mystical and Master P and Juvenile were coming out of that scene, and he was inspired by their rhythmic qualities as vocalists, as rappers, and imitating that on his horns. He brought a lot of that into his new band. He was also a student at the New Orleans Center for the Creative Arts, which has you know, produced many of the Marsalis kids, Nicholas Payton, Harry Connick Jr. So he's well-schooled on the classical side as well. It all comes together on this latest album. Done about a half dozen things. This is by far his most high-profile release. It's called Back of Town, and you hear that street funk, that New Orleans street funk sound, transformed into these concise songs. And here's one of the best of them. It's called Hurricane Season from Trombone Shorty on Sound Opinions. Trombone Shorty bringing that New Orleans street funk on hurricane season, one of my buried treasures. What do you got for us next, Jim? 
Greg, I'm going to slow down the tempo a little bit. As you know, I am a fan of that dark, mysterious, witchy, pagan vibe, (laughs) lost in the woods kind of folk rock music. I think the heyday of it was the mid-60s, early 70s, bands like Fairport Convention, Incredible String Band, Pentangle, that kind of British Isles folk rock. But we have a modern-day practitioner who is expert at it from Spokane, Washington, artist, dancer, performance artist, songwriter named Dawn McCarthy, better known in the underground rock world as Fawn Fables. She has one key guitarist collaborator, Nils Frickdahl, and various people come and go, but Fawn Fables basically is McCarthy. McCarthy is Fawn Fables. She's made a couple of records that, that I've enjoyed, but I think her newest, Light of a Vaster Dark, is the best she's done yet. In addition to that British Isle folk witchy vibe thing, there are are all sorts of other hints of ancient European musics, you know, from France or Hungary. There's a kind of four-track cassette rawness to it. There's a little bit of psychedelia. And then there's hints of a modern production, just burble up Mm. once in a while, that all make it timeless, even though the reference points are in this particular era. I love this record. It's a concept record about weather and the seasons. In particular, I think the most striking moments are are that point where the fall is is coming on and then all of a sudden winter drops like a lead weight. Mm-hmm. Kind of appropriate in these dark days of January. This is the title track of the latest album from Fawn Fables, Light of a Vaster Dark on Sound Opinions. Light fire and That was Light of a Vaster Dark by Fawn Fables on Sound Opinions, one of my buried treasures. If you'd like to share your own buried treasure on the air or comment about anything in the rock world, call 888-859-1800. You can also email, interact at soundopinions.org, or talk to us on Facebook or Twitter. We'll be back with our final Undiscovered Gems and a review of the new album by Nicki Minaj in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago, distributed by PRX. Do you?
Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and we're running down some of our buried treasures for this year. That is one of mine uh, from a band called Diamond Rings. Uh, Play by Heart is the name of the track. What we're doing here is basically highlighting albums and tracks that have flown underneath the mainstream radar in recent months, but we feel deserve wider attention. Diamond Rings is definitely one of those bands. It's basically a one-man bedroom project by a guy named John O'Regan. He was a uh, leader of a Toronto-Montreal indie rock band called The Herbervilles, and then fell ill in 2008. He had Crohn's disease, was bedridden for quite a bit of time. And we've seen this story before where, where you know, a life-changing event occurs and a person comes out of it transformed, in this case writing a completely new set of music in a new style. O'Regan sort of reimagined himself as, a, as an early 70s glam rocker, put on a little bit mascara, write some bedroom songs on a cheap analog synthesizer, and suddenly you have a new look, a new sound, a new approach to music. I think it's done wonders for him. It's, it's brought out a, a sparseness and a minimalism that is quite appealing. And at the same time, from his previous guitar-based indie rock band, he still has that drive and that anthemic quality that was a big part of that sound. Put the two together and you've got a really addictive album. Diamond Rings with uh, Special Affections is the name of the album. And the track I'm going to play is Something Else on Sound Opinions.
was something else by Diamond Rings on Sound Opinions, the last of Greg's Buried Treasures picks. For this week, anyway, Greg, I have one more. Das Racist. Gotta swallow and get over the name. It is done as everything this group does, uh, tongue-in-cheek. The main rappers who comprise this group, Victor Vasquez and Himanshu Suri, met while living in the Students of Color for Social Justice dorm at Wesleyan University in Connecticut. You and I spoke there last Mm -hmm. year. Real hotbed of artistic activity. They have gotten together with a third partner, their hype man known as Dap. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. And put together this Brooklyn-based trio that does a very jokey but very inventive take on hip-hop. I think musically the ambition is almost up there with what we were seeing in the heyday of alternative hip-hop or psychedelic rap, De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising, you know, Poles Boutique, that kind of mishmash of sounds. Everything and the kitchen sink and this really sharp lyrical wit, verbal wordplay, challenging people all the time. Obviously, they want to get in your face with a name like Das Racist, with some of the lyrical ideas, with sampling People Are Strange by the Doors. How dare you desecrate (laughs) Jim Morrison. So far, there have been two mixtapes out there. They're usually popular. I think this is one of the potential breakout bands in the hip-hop underground at this moment. Mixtape number one that got a lot of attention, Shut Up Dude. I'm going to play a track from number two, Sit Down Man. This has been called by a couple of uh, the big music magazines one of the top uh, 50 singles of the year, in fact, 2010, having just passed. Ha 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 JK by Das Racist on Sound Opinions. We're not joking, just joking. We are joking, just joking. We're not joking. We're not joking, just joking. We are joking, just joking. We're not joking. We're not joking, just joking. We are joking, just joking. We're not joking. We're not joking, just joking. We are joking, just joking. We're not joking. I'm so wild, they call me four local, so local, where they do it for cocoa. Puff like cocoa, till I'm crisp like cocoa, bonobo, iced tea plus cocoa, Sunoco flow, no Pinocchio, no BP, just beat me, meet me where I beat beats, drop street heat. I'm on the block like street meat. Call me Dwight Schrute the way that I eat beats. No beat farm, just farm beats, smart me. I'm in the flip, don't try to harm me. Yeah? I scrap happily, smack a little scrappy type do for free. Not for a fee, I rock for a team, maybe. Just a cup of tea, had enough of me. I'm just beginning, finna be a minute for the fat lady singing. I'm swimming, I'm crazy, I'm wavy pipeline. Rappers lack flow, now they're trying to bite mine. Need like three lifelines, three whites, three lines of Ike or white. A night to get hype. Three types of nights, my floor sides is spike, my floor shines is tight, your punchlines is light. The days of our lives, plus the nights. Catch me on the corner, drunk and puking, crazy, stupid, Sammy and Lucas. As a reference to the soap opera, Days of Our Lives, even though I was a bigger General Hospital fan growing up. We're not joking, just joking, we are joking, just joking, we're not joking. We're not joking, just joking, we are joking, just joking, we're not joking. We're not joking, just joking, we are joking, just joking, we're not joking. We're not joking, just joking, we are joking. 
just joking, we're not joking. Yeah, see, quit smiling and shut your silly traps. These Zooted Brown weirdos is wildin', but they could really rap. They saw the cover of the tape, figured it's pretty whack. Later on, eventually admitted that it's pretty cracked. Snatch the beer can out your hand, like, give me that. I'm all up in the freezer at your crib, like, where your gym be at? Couple dubbies in the switch, Dougie, spin me that. Feed it, fat, Jimmy hat, give me that. Similac, chug it, cut it, print it. I think it's finished, but really black. Run it back, tell me if you're feeling that. <clears throat> Wait a minute like Ray J, my work is my play play, everyday payday, meet me at the mall, it's going down, mayday, jokes not the mall, the maysays, jokes not maysays with JJ's, hey hey, they say, they wanna have my kids like baby, no way way, no baby, that's 18 years like yay say, too much to pay pay. That was Ha 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 JK by Das Racist, my final pick for this Sound Opinions episode of Buried Treasures. I fly with the stars in the skies. I am no longer trying to survive. I believe that life is a prize. But to live doesn't mean you're alive Don't worry about me and who I fire I get what I desire, it's my empire And yes, I call the shots, I am the umpire I sprinkle holy water upon the vampire In this very moment, I'm king In this very moment, I slay Goliath with a sling This very moment, I bring Put it on everything That I will retire with the ring And I will retire with the crown Yes. That is Moment for Life from one of the most anticipated hip-hop albums of recent times, Nicki Minaj's Pink Friday. Everybody's been talking about this artist for the last couple of years. She's been everywhere in terms of cameo appearances on other artists' records, mixtapes, etc. She was actually born in Trinidad in 1984, and the fact that she has sort of this exotic upbringing has only lent to her allure. A lot of people are talking about her as hip-hop's answer to Lady Gaga, which is kind of shorthand for the fact that she likes to play dress-up, wears a lot of different kinds of wigs, you know, has funny videos uh, with her looking like an outer space invader or a vixen or an undersea creature, a mermaid, whatever, in various incarnations. That's all well and good. The key to her career, though, has been the fact that she's got some skills as, as a rhymer. Lil Wayne, one of the biggest tastemakers in hip-hop, in addition to being a, a great rapper in his own right, signed her to his Young Money label. Significant signing because she is the lone female in the Young Money crew and began releasing a series of mixtapes with a lot of cameos. I mean, uh, working with Kanye West, with T.I., with Lil Wayne himself really put her on the map. So, without a doubt, Pink Friday, one of the most anticipated hip-hop releases of recent times. Let's play a track from it before we review it. We're going to play a track uh, with a little assistance from Rihanna as the vocalist. It's called Fly from Nicki Minaj on Sound Opinions. I came to win To fight To conquer To thrive I came to win To survive To prosper Trying to forgive you for a band 
in May. Praying, but I think I'm still an angel away. Angel away, yeah, strange in a way. Maybe that is why I chase strangers away. They got their guns out aiming at me. But I become Neo when they aiming at me. May, May, me against them. Me against enemies, me against friends. Somehow they both seem to become one. A sea full of sharks and they all smell blood. They start coming and I start rising. Must be surprising, I'm just surmising. I win, thrive, soar, higher, 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 more, fire. To fight, to conquer, to thrive, I came to win, to survive, to prosper, to rise. I represent an entire generation. I hear the criticism loud and clear. That is how I know that the time is near. See, we become alive in a time of fear. And I ain't got no motherfucker time to fear. Cry my eyes out for days upon days. Such a heavy burden placed upon me. But when you go hard, your names become yays. Yankee Stadium with Jays and Kanye. To, to fight, to conquer, to thrive. That was Fly by Nicki Minaj from her debut album on Sound Opinions. Good stuff there, Greg, with Rihanna backing her up. There's some disappointment. After all those cameos that she did for Ludacris, Kanye West, Lil Wayne, people are thinking that this album is a little conservative, that she was toned down a bit in both her attitude and her sonic invention for mainstream consumption. That's relatively speaking. Mm -hmm. She is a nasty lady at times. I think that part of the critical shorthand, in addition to comparing her to Lady Gaga, has been to say she is a modern-day Little Kim, you know, a sexual provocateur. I don't think either of those are really fair. I think she's up there with Missy Elliott in terms of her verbal invention and musical ambition. When it's on and she's working with a producer who's on his game... You know, Will I Am almost uh, redeems himself for for the lousiness oh, oh, oh. of that Black Eyed Peas record with the check he he did for her. Uh, check it out, sampling the Buggles. I got I got to love that. On the other hand, you know when she she's trading nasty scatology with Eminem, there's just no need for that. And and her few bids at a slow jam that they don't really work. You're going to think I'm crazy, but I think she reminds me in some ways of Peter Gabriel. Hmm. In the way that in those mid-70s and 80s art rock records, Gabriel would do different role-playing, he would be a serial killer. He would be, you know, inside the mind of some conspirator or this or that or the other thing. You know, she is really into role-playing. It's not just wig changes, costumes, weird video get-ups. She is taking on different personas, different accents, different attitudes, telling different stories by being different characters. That's really exciting. I love about half to two-thirds of this album on the buy it, burn it, trash it scale. Because the down parts are really down, I I would say it's a burn it, but you really should hear Nicki Minaj soon. There's no doubt that uh, you need to hear her because she is causing such a ruckus in the hip-hop and R&B world. 
but I have to say this this record was a letdown for me, Jim, as well. I do think that her her calling card has been her ability to come on other people's records and blow them away with the force of her personality and her ideas. I'm thinking even on that last Kanye record, she guessed it on a track, and it was the best thing on it. And, and that's really saying something, because she was on a track with Jay-Z as well. On this record, it seems to me it's been reversed. Her guest stars outshine her. You know, Drake on Moment for Life, Kanye on Blazin'. You're hearing these cameos outshine the star, and that's not what's supposed to happen when you're, when you're making your debut album. I think she's pulling her punches. You know, you're saying, okay, I don't, I don't like the scatology on Did It On Him or Roman's Revenge. I think that's what kind of made her rep on those mixtapes, the, the fact that she could get really weird and really wild. And yet later on in the album, she's pulling her punches. She's making very mainstream R&B-type tracks that sound very much like what else is on the radio at the moment. So I don't really have a fix on who Nicki Minaj is. I think this is a missed opportunity. I think with the mixtapes, we got a sense of an artist who is really going to push buttons, stretch out our perceptions of what hip-hop could do, and she doesn't do it on, on Pink Friday. I think it's a big letdown. I think it's a trash it record for me. Wow, so that is a harsh trash it from Mr. Cott for Nicki Minaj, a burn it from me. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? Jim, we're going to look at the history of hip-hop from an economic standpoint, the money behind the music. As always, we have some thank yous to say on the way out. Our producer, Robin Lynn, if she'd been a member of Captain Beefheart's magic band, she would have been the Mascara Snake. Our other producer, Jason Saldana, if he was with Beefheart, he'd have been Antenna Jimmy Siemens. And our executive producer, our fearless leader, Tori Southside Malatia, he's kind of drumbo. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. I'm in the phone with this one across the hall. If you don't answer, I'll just ring it up the wall. I know she's there, but I just had a call. Don't leave me hanging on the telephone. Don't leave me hanging on the telephone. New messages. Hi, this is Stephanie from Joplin, Missouri. Um, I just wanted to say something that is really making me happy right now in the world of vinyl. I don't know how long they've been doing this. I've recently gotten a record player and started really getting into vinyl. But I really like that you can get vinyl with an included CD and a poster for like 15 bucks. It really makes me happy. It's, I would love to buy all my music this way. So I wanted to say so. Thanks. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, this is Paulie D. Simone calling from Philadelphia. And I admire the fact that you guys know so much music. But I wonder why it is that you always disregard instrumental rock. Back to the very beginning, Wayne Eddy, Johnny and the Hurricanes, Santo and Johnny, The Ventures, put out instrumental rock, and it's still going on. Just this year, people like Eric Johnson 
and Jeff Beck, to name two of the best. Put out music that, in my opinion, and evidently in other people's opinion, is some of the finest music that came out this year. And you guys always completely disregard instrumental rock. It's seen. Thank you very much. This is Pauly D. Simone in Philadelphia. This is Fernando calling from sunny and beautiful Sao Paulo, Brazil. Much like you guys, I was pretty disappointed when I listened to the Tron soundtrack by Daft Punk. And I felt like they did stretch themselves a little bit too far beyond their means. And it really made me wonder, if they're going to pick a French duo, why why didn't they just go for Air, who are always doing this kind of orchestral big sounds. Their records already sound like Tron soundtracks. I'm pretty sure somewhere in a cafe in Paris, these two guys are smoking cigarettes and saying, those stupid Americans, why did they pick those guys instead of us? Or maybe that's just my imagination. Happy holidays, everybody. Jim, hi Greg, DJ here, calling from Chicago. I just finished listening to your year-end show on New Year's morning here on WBEZ, and I got a really big kick out of you listing your various staff members and sharing with us if each of them were a Michael Jackson song, which song they would be. So, in the spirit of what comes around, goes around, I'd like to offer my own suggestion for each of you. You, Greg always been a smooth criminal. And you, Jim, you'll always be Ben. Just kidding, you old punk rocker. You're dirty Diana. Anyway, happy New Year's, guys. Cheers. Take care. No more messages. To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.